What is going on? It's Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Keith of the band Tanith over Zoom video. Keith was born and raised in Plano, Texas, and talks about how he got into music. At an early age, Keith discovered Kiss, and that's what really drew him to the drums and wanting to play drums. He studied drums, actually, all through high school and into college. He played in the jazz band, in the orchestra. He was a percussionist, but also played in some cover bands through high school and into college. He ended up moving from eastern Texas, where he went to college, to Austin, lived there for a handful of years, played in different cover bands, uh, eventually a band that did original songs. He talked about landing a gig as the drummer for Marcia Ball. He had never played blues music before, didn't really even know any of her songs, so he really had to study, learn a new style of music, but ended up touring with, with her for a number of years. After playing with Marcia Ball for a couple of years, he started to play as the drummer for Charlie Robison, and he was Charlie's drummer for about six years. He talked about moving to New York. He told us how he met the other members of Tanith, their experience with getting signed to Metal Blade Records. And we hear all about the new album, which was recorded directly to tape, mixed on tape, even mastered directly to a vinyl. So no computers were used in the recording, mixing, mastering of their new album, which is called Voyage. You can watch our interview with Keith on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Tanith. Sweet, dude. I'm Adam, and uh, it's very great to meet you. This is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, the record. Cool. Sweet. Um, so, Keith, where first off, where were you born and raised? Uh, I I was born in uh, the suburbs of Dallas, or I was born in Dallas, but I was raised in uh, the suburbs, a town called Plano. And no. uh, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Well, I I mean that's that's a story. That's right. You know, and I I I lived there. You know, all the way through high school um, until I went to college, and then you know moved on from there. Wow, my family's in Plano, or they lived in Plano for a while. Like uh, my mom's side of the family, both my parents are from Ohio, Cleveland area. But um, for whatever reason, like my mom's parents and a few of her sisters and her brother all moved to Plano like later (laughs) in life. (laughs) It's it's weird that, you know, that a lot of people know what Plano is because my my family goes way back. They were like one of the founding families of Plano. And, uh, you know, so so like that, Kind of the the Plano now is kind of like not what I knew, and even like when I was in high school, like uh, the high school was gigantic and it was just starting to explode, and that's that's kind of when I left. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, but it's funny, you know, being here in in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, there'll be like a Frito Lay truck going by, and it says Frito Lay, Plano, Texas. Plano. Yeah. <laughs> that's killer man so uh plano texas were you born and raised in a musical household at all um not at all um okay. well i say i mean they were uh my parents both liked music but there was not any kind of uh 
like they, like they, they uh, listen to like uh, church music and uh, and that kind of stuff. Most of the stuff is like religious music or in, inspirational music. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and so I kind of came upon came upon music uh, all on my own, just like with my friends, and you know, and then like listening to the radio and that kind of thing. Awesome. And what about drums? Is that the first instrument you played? It is. Yeah, I started playing when I was ten years old. Uh, because, uh, basically this, it started out with, because I loved kiss. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, uh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty for for guys my age, that was a pretty common thing. It was like, you know, I I think when you're 10 years old or 12, whatever, 10, between 10 and 12, you know, it was like, kiss was like superheroes kind of. And so you got, you got to listen to music and kind of see these superheroes, these larger in life guys. And, you know, I think I was uh, at the right age to where, it, you know, I'm just like totally buying into that whole thing. So Kiss made you want to get a drum kit. And was that like you go to your parents and are like, can I get a drum set? I, you know, I want to play like these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure, you know, they were not sure what to think of Kiss, especially being <laughs> especially being very religious. And all I was going to say, I'm surprised they didn't tell you you couldn't listen to Kiss. It's like I, a it, Troy Rock City. I, <laughs> it's, it's um to you know to their credit they 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 never put the the brakes on in any direction that uh i went and even if it was music they didn't like or music they didn't understand uh they they were a hundred percent supportive you know like throughout the whole the whole time and i mean even to the point you know like where i'm like bashing away after school and, you know, my dad's come home from work and he's trying to watch TV and, you know, and I have on my headphones and I'm listening to Kiss Alive one and, uh, you know, playing along and I would get I would get done playing and I would go into the living room and wonder why my dad had the TV blasting so loud. Oh, because he was just trying to drown out your drums. Yeah. <laughs> And then I have, you know, like friends and stuff that live down the street and, you know, people like let me know, like, yeah, you know, we could hear you five houses down, That's you know, like funny. bashing away on, on stuff. So, I mean, I was I was lucky that I had support, supported parents and the neighbors were cool with it and, and uh, all that. So, yeah, it was like uh, it was pretty nice. Did you learn on le- did you have lessons or anything or did you just try to play along to some of your like the Kiss records I, or whatever? Well, I. I kind of had it, it was uh, I was kind of taking two roads at once because because uh, my parents knew I liked drums and I got a, a drum set before I got I but I got into school band oh, and, cool. and I went through all the school band and, and I went to college and I got a music degree and like so the marching band were you like the snare or yeah, percussion or okay I was, yeah I was the uh, section leader of the marching band at my in my college for three three or four years wow three years and uh yeah so i studied i i got a music i was like studying to be an orchestral percussionist and uh at the same time i was you know i was always playing drum set and playing in rock bands and playing in you know, pop bands or whatever there was all all cover bands you know all the way through college and so i was like on 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 basically you know a very studied path and in a path where you're just like putting on the headphones and trying to figure out, you know, like what Neil Peart was playing. Right, right. Okay, that's awesome. Did you join like when you were in high school and stuff? Was was that kind of your first 
band bands like with you know aside from being in the marching band or, or orchestral band did yeah, you join yeah i had, rock I had bands buddies, in high school yeah i had buddies that i played with and uh we didn't i never really like gigged until i got into college and uh but yeah i was you know we had a neighborhood band and and uh we you know friends in the neighborhood they would come over to my house because that's where the drum set was and my parents let them come over and uh and make and make racket and and uh yeah, I think one time we played one seventh grade dance and we were in the 4th of July parade and it was like a big deal and all that kind of stuff. Wow. What style were you guys? We were doing like, uh, we were doing covers like, uh, remember we played like Smoke on the Water and uh, Come Together by the Beatles. Oh, okay. That's uh, maybe Slow Ride by Foghat. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, I don't know. Yeah, I think we knew like a handful of songs. That's cool. And then you go to college. You wanted to, you know, what was like kind of the, the end goal? You said you wanted to be in or like conduct an orchestra. Is there what you wanted to be in? I, well, it was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my parents oh. were like, well, you like music. Do you want to study music? And like, I had just no clue. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll do music. And so, but I, I wasn't sure what that entailed, but right. basically I was learning to be a percussionist who would play in the orchestra. Okay. And that's like, you know, learning like concert snare drum, learning the marimba and, uh -huh. uh, and all the timpani, all that kind of stuff. And so I was doing that and I was playing in the jazz band and, uh, and uh, the, the, yeah, that kind of, all the, the kind of what's called le legit percussion. Got it. And did you go to school in, in Texas or did you move? I did. It, it was at a small school in East Texas called Stephen F. Austin okay. State University. And that's it, where you uh, played in their band and everything as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said that was when you started a gig as well as when you were in college. Right. I, we, I had a, uh, I had a, a, a band in college and, and we, and you know, we had the local bar and, and we, we played covers like the, you know, like pop and rock covers of the day. And was that the moment, like, at what moment did you decide, like, you know, this is kind of what the path I want to take aside from maybe being more in the trained percussion realm to more of like, I want to be in a band band. Well, it was, it was actually kind of a kind of, kind of two things dawned on me. It's like in, in the, in the percussion, the classical percussion world, like if you're going to work, you know, there's, there's symphony openings around the world and those are advertised but for a percussionist there's only a handful of openings a year because once people get in those they generally stay you know oh, and you can stay they don't leave yeah and uh so you know i knew that there was just going to be a handful of openings and i knew those guys that were going to get those openings were guys that loved it and i enjoyed it and i liked learning it but i didn't live it and love it like you have to in that world and you know and i just i it just that wasn't in me and then you know and also you graduate college and all of a sudden you don't have a uh twelve thousand dollar marimba to practice on or a twenty thousand dollar set of timpani to practice on you know but i got a drum set and i can put that in my car and i can go down to the bar and play with my buddies and that's always where my heart really was and so uh yeah, the, the day after we graduated uh, college, my band that was uh, there in a, the town is called Nacogdoches, Texas. Uh, the day after I graduated, our band moved to Austin. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And were you guys playing originals at this point or still doing just covers? No, it was all it was all covers. Okay. And when do you start your or join your first band of original material? Was it in Austin? Yeah, I that the band that I moved to uh the band that I moved to uh Austin with from Nacogdoches, that lasted for about a year and we were playing covers. In Austin, there's a street called Sixth Street, which yeah. uh which uh back then it was like cool and safe and there was like literally a live band in every single door it was like oh wow it's not I mean, the it same like, I, i've heard about machetes and, and other things yeah it's gotten crazy and you know it's a lot of <laughs> shot bars and djs and that, that oh, okay kind of, uh that kind of vibe but back then it was like i wouldn't load out my drums out of one club that's because the next day i was going to be playing next door so you know when we loaded in i just walked my drums you know, next door or across the street rather than load them all up and put them in my car. But, Oh, you could just yeah. leave them at the next club for the next night. Yeah. And yeah, nowadays it'd be gone. Yeah. It was all every, yeah, it was all, everything was like t totally chill back then. It was like, you know, it was fun. Everybody knew each other. And, uh, and yeah, so that was, a, that was cool. And, and like, I, so the band that I was playing with that lasted for about a year, then I joined another cover band and then that cover band became uh, an original music band. And we were that at that time, it was like, the, I don't know, like. It was kind of like the era of rock with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the and the Spin Doctors and that kind okay. of thing. So we had kind of, it was a rock band, but like with a funk bass player and we were playing like funky grooves and and that kind of thing. Mm hmm. And 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 you guys just kind of played around Austin at that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, you're in New York now, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you, did you stay in Austin and did that band last for a while? Like what was the next well, step? I guess what happened, it, we just, we never got any traction doing anything. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it was cool playing around town and we, you know, we had some pretty decent gigs, but, but basically the kind of the first like traveling gig that I got uh, was through uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her, her hairdresser's boyfriend was a guitar player mm -hmm. and uh, with this blues piano player named Marsha Ball. And uh, they were looking for a drummer. And he said, well, why don't, why don't we get Keith? And so Marsha auditioned me, just me and her. And, uh, and so I joined the Marsha Ball band. And in the uh, blues world, she's, she's well-known. She's been grant, grant nominated for Grammys many times, won many uh, blues music awards. Uh, and so I joined her band and I like literally knew nothing about playing blues music, nothing about playing like New Orleans second line music. And, and so they had to finish up a tour with their previous drummer. So I had the gig for like three weeks, I think, before I actually started playing and I had never heard any of her music. Yeah. And, you know, and it was like a deal to where, you know, back then there wasn't Spotify where you can just listen to everything. It was just like I was going to have to go to the store and shell out $20 a CD to buy her whole like back catalog. And I was like, I don't have that kind of money to do that. Yeah. To try to go then take that home and listen to it and learn it. Did you just yeah. end up going and watching the old the other drummer play? To kind of no, well, they were actually it? out. They were out touring. So I didn't even. Oh, they're gone, gone. Okay. Yeah. And it was funny because there was people that go, oh, it's so great. You're playing with Marsha because it was a big deal. And they're like, this is my favorite song. And this is my favorite song. And I'm like, uh, I've never heard those songs. <laughs> so finally, 
when she came back, uh, she gave me like a cassette tape as people did back then. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she didn't go give me one, I think, beforehand because we did this audition. I think they left out the next day. So basically, the uh, I got the gig and I had the tape and there was no rehearsals. And we fly out. And we're playing a private party in uh, Phoenix. And I don't know anyone in the band. And everybody has separate hotel rooms. And the hotel room was bigger than my apartment in Austin. And <laughs> no one's talking to each other. You know, like, I'm just, I don't even know what's going on. And it was yeah. just, and, you know, and that's the kind of the thing with Marcia. She was, uh, I mean, there's no one better to work with, work for than Marcia Ball. She was just great. And, uh so it was, but it was always like making things just like, you know, just follow me, just follow me. And I learned how to, you know, become a blues drummer, you know, just by learning on the gigs. And, you know, we were doing shows with, you know, Buddy Guy and Gate Mouth wow. Brown and, and, you know, and so uh, there was, a, there was a little bit of an imposter syndrome. I felt there, like, you know, like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, like, you know, like talking backstage with Booker T and, and you know, it's yeah, like crazy. You kind of got was, dropped into like as your first real touring band. I mean, you're playing with this massive artist. Like that's kind of a wild experience to have. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And if she, you know, and and there was, and you know, I, I, I think the the learning curve was pretty steep. And there, I remember there we were playing one gig uh, outside of Chicago, and I was just sure I was getting fired after that gig. I was just like, it was so terrible. But once, once we kind of, once I kind of got over. I think it was at that gig, you know, it's like, okay, this is terrible. I need to like figure out what's going on. And, uh, and it made some adjustments and it was just great from, from there on. And, and, uh, and so even, so like to this, when Marsh is in town, I always try to go see her. And, uh, she like, I think last time I saw her, she was playing at the Iridium and, uh, great as usual. And a lot of awesome. Yeah. How long did you play with her for? For about two years. Okay. And it would have been a lot longer, but I got an offer to play with this country singer um, named Charlie Robinson from Texas, who's in, in Texas. He's kind of like one of the Texas music country giants. Okay. And uh, they were trying to make him the next one of the next uh, national country music stars. He had signed on a major label and uh, and it was tough to leave Marsha, but it was it was a deal to where like if things happened for him, you know, he would be like a star and like be playing arenas and that kind of stuff. And yeah, and the way that you know I grew up, I grew up you know with listening to arena ba- arena rock bands, you know, like Journey and Van Halen and Genesis, and you know, and so I wanted to play the big places, and I thought it was a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then uh, did you do that for a while uh, before moving then to, to New York or? Yeah, I played with I played with Charlie for, I think, seven, seven or eight years. And wow. so, he had, yeah, so you really he had, yeah. his, he had his uh, like he tried that the major label thing. And, and uh, it was uh, that year, the three big stars that were supposed to break out of uh, of Nashville and become like household names were Blake Shelton, Brad Paisley and Charlie Robinson. And of course the first two went on to be gigantic and it didn't work out as well for, for Charlie and he gave it a good shot, but we we didn't, he didn't like really play by 
you know, in Nashville, you really kind of have to play by the rules to get everything working, all the, you know, the, all the wheels rolling in the, in the same direction. And uh, I think it was, that was, it just wasn't his thing. So he went back to Texas and he could, and he could play way bigger places in Texas. And, uh, you know, rather than going out on the road, you know, like with Brooks and Dunn or Travis Tritt, who were the big stars at the time, like we, and we did that, but we would, you know, we do our set before them. But when we played in Texas, we were playing to gigantic crowds and he could make more money in Texas. And so he just kind of left the national thing behind, but you know, it, it was, uh, it was great. We we played, uh, got to play uh, the Ryman Auditorium at the the Grand Ole Opry, and wow, you know, another thing like, or I'm sitting on stage about to go on, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I was like standing <laughs> in the wings, ready to go on, and Porter Wagner standing next to me, and Marty Marty Stewart standing next to me, and I'm like, you know, the guy that was like listening to Kiss and Rush when I was a kid, like, why am I standing? you know in the in the Ryman right it was yeah it was it was pretty crazy and it was it was a cool experience but yeah so anyway I did that with Charlie for you know we played around Texas and all that stuff and and it was it was that band was a lot of fun to play with and uh the band was unique I thought and a good group of guys and uh but it just ended up we we started playing less and less and less and uh and so that's what I left the band and I hung around Austin just playing with local bands and doing like smaller, just like, you know, four and five day run kind of Mm -hmm. tours and uh, then moved to, moved to New York. And is that where you met the other guys to form uh, your current, the current project? Yeah. For Tanith. Yeah. For Tanith. Did you guys, did you meet in New York? Yeah. Okay. I've been in, in New York, I don't know now for 13 years. And I guess we met, met Cindy and Russ kind of an interesting story that kind of ties all this background together uh the I had a friend in Austin I used to work at a drum shop in Austin and I had a friend that came in and you know and he was another drummer and uh we just became buddies because he'd come in the drum shop and then he moved to New York uh, uh probably 10 years before I did mm-hmm and uh, so, and, you know, he was playing around and, and uh, that kind of thing. And, and then I moved up to New York and he was one of the only guys that I knew. And, and after like doing a lot of tours and that kind of stuff, he decided he wanted to play bass and learn bass as, you know, something new and different, you know, some maybe a new avenue to get some new work. And so he played bass and he invited me one night or one afternoon to do, we were doing like Waylon and Willie kind of covers you know, Texas country music covers at a barbecue place in the afternoon. And uh, a friend of his and her boyfriend came to see us play. And uh, that friend and boyfriend were Cindy and Russ, who are in Tanith. Yeah. so So they came and saw me play this country gig. And then afterwards, they were like, you know, like, we're looking for someone to, like, be the drummer in our metal band. And I was like, uh did you see what I just did? I was playing like on the road again. Yeah. Some country you know, songs, you know, and, uh, with brushes, um, but anyway, it, you know, but I did have that back of the rock background and stuff. It was just a different kind of thing, but yeah. So because I, I met a, I met a friend 
in the early 90s in Austin, I ended up being in a metal band in Brooklyn, you know, like however many years later, 25 years later. Wow. And you guys started in what, 2017? Is that what I saw? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how quickly, like, I mean, you joined that band. That must have been totally different than obviously the what you were playing before from everything from the music style to maybe the stages you were playing and everything else. Yeah, it was, it's, I mean, I would, you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it, you know, since we've been talking about what I've done, you know, I started out playing cover, cover bands and then played in a blues band then played in a country band. And, uh, you know, and then before I met up with them, um, you know, I was playing with, uh, like some soul bands and other rock bands and I was mixing EDM and I was, you know, so I, I've, I've had my hands in a lot of different styles and it was just like when this, you know, kind of metal thing came up, it was like, okay, that's will be the next thing. And I'll, yeah, you know, an avenue it. you hadn't been down yet, really. Right. And, and, you know, and like, it's, you know, a little of it has been, you know, some learning on the job, you know, kind of, cause it is a different style, just like I had to learn how to do different country things and I had to learn how to do different blues things. It's, um, you know, I mean, it's all rock music, you know, at some point, but then there's like, you know, it all kind of like has its idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. And you guys just release, or you're releasing a record tomorrow, right? The album's coming out tomorrow yeah. and it's on metal blade. Is that a new venture for you all getting signed to that label? Well, what the way that happened is that so so Russ and Cindy hired me to, to as a studio drummer to play on their their a single uh, a song called Citadel, uh, and they released it actually as a forty five you know with a B side and that whole thing, and so I just went we went in it to record two songs, uh, they put those songs on Bandcamp and someone uh, a representative from a Metal Blade in Germany heard the song loved it and signed the band oh had, really yeah it's like kind of like one of those those stories that you know you always hear like they picked us out of crowd of thousands and it really was kind of like that and uh so we had to write more songs they asked me to become a member of the band and uh then we made our first record and uh it 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 uh went over pretty well and it made mm -hmm. it made uh, a lot of different uh metal like album of the year kind of stuff and top 10 of the year and uh then we then we went on tour for that record and uh like in germany and the uk and belgium and holland showing greece and uh so we're you, all excited yeah had you played uh abroad like that before with other I, bands that you're in no i i played uh in england some and I, I think I didn't, yeah, maybe like in England and Scotland, but I had not ever played in Germany and played, uh, uh, yeah, any of those other places. It's yeah, you know, and they love metal, right? Yeah, in a lot of in a lot of the, those European countries. Yeah, that's where most of the uh, most of our, our our biggest fan base is in Germany um, and in Europe. I mean, we still, we do have fans in the states and that kind of stuff, but everything uh, is kind of geared more towards Europe. Yeah, I've noticed that with a lot of metal bands. That they, they, it really hits there. Not that yeah. it doesn't here in the States, but it's like another level when you go out. So. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. They, yeah, they're just, you know, and they, they can't get enough of it. It was not, you know, with Spotify and, you know, and then, you know, being on the label, people got to hear the record before we went there. So when, when, whenever we played, and whether it's at a bigger festival or a smaller club, 
like the people knew the words to the songs already, you know, like, which, you know, was kind of surprising, like, you know, to show up at a gig in Athens, Greece, and people are all like singing the lyrics, you know, back to you. Um, that That's was something exciting. I didn't expect. And so, yeah, so we're all excited with that. And we're like, oh, okay, we got to do, you know, maybe do some more touring and get this next record out. Uh, and that's when COVID hit and it just shut everything down. Oh, wow. So is this album something you guys were working on right after that? I mean, like 2020 or did you have to put the writing process or even anything towards this new album on pause for a while? It was well, it went um it, it was a lot of we we started writing the songs like like emailing parts back and forth and you know like using using we transfer and sending files and kind of building that songs I, I i'm down here usually there's a drum set back here uh but it's being it i moved it out for our gig tonight but oh, i have okay. a studio here so i can you know so i can uh i can record drum parts and i can send it back to uh england where russ lives and so we basically put the album together kind of through email and like, we didn't get to see each other. The whole band was not in the same room for over two years. Oh, wow. And so when we came together to record this new record, it was like, you know, it was like we did it like last uh, August, I think. And that was the first time, like literally like I had seen Russ in over two years. Oh my gosh. But you were obviously sending songs back and forth or, was that all just demos that you guys put together and then yeah. went into the studio to record it all yeah, properly? Yeah, kind of a deal with with our band is that we uh, it's kind of like a 70s style rock and we record it that way. So like there's no computers involved at all. We record the tape. No way. We, we record the tape and then we mix to we mix the tape, the two inch tape to a half inch tape. And then to go get it mastered, we're actually carried like six boxes of tapes on the train to Peekskill, New York, where Master Disc is. And uh, he masters the, the the tape, you know, he's direct to uh, a lacquer uh, master. Really? Yeah, and so there's no, there's no, uh, there's no computers involved. There's no digital, yeah. Right, if you have the, if you have the album, uh, which I got right here. Nice. I saw the Instagram video of you all opening it up. Yeah. Um, we uh, like if you have that album, none of that had has touched a computer at all. Like it obviously it had to be digitized to go to uh, Spotify and to be pressed into CDs and that that kind of thing. But uh, the vinyl, there was it's all analog. And so, you know, like like we're sending stuff back and forth email. But we knew I mean, that's that's not how the band records. We 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 thought that maybe that was something we, would, we should consider since it had been so long, but in the end decided just to go back to the way that we usually do things. And, you know, like having a 70 style hard rock, heavy metal band and record that way, you know, and use vintage amps and vintage gear and vintage everything to try to capture that sound. Wow. And that's not something people are doing nowadays, especially it's expensive to do tape. And I mean, obviously you are a pro and you've been doing it for a long, long time, but if, if this is your first stint in a studio tape would be, it could get pricey. <laughs> well, it, it, it can, because you can't with tape, you can't, you can't fix things like, uh, or you know, punch have, in, or yeah, so to speak. 
you can't, you know, and like even, you know, like these days, you know, you know, you can play drums and then you can time align it and get everything sounding perfect. And you can like know that the vocal is great, but they had this one part was like, oh, I'll just fix it in the computer. Right. Or you get it all the way down to, you know, just like one day before it's supposed to be sent out, you know, to, to band camp or to a label or whatnot. And you can still remix it. You know, you can, oh, that's, I don't like that snare drum, but you, so you can fix it and email you know, yeah, to, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, but with tape, you kind of get it. like drums. You don't really get to cut in because if there's no undo, if, if you try to punch something and you didn't notice that that symbol crash, you know, is going, psh, it bleed. Yeah. Stop. bleeds into the yeah, other microphone and you're screwed. Yeah. Then you got to re-record the whole thing. And so it's a different, yeah, just with no undo, you have to decide things all on the front end rather than decide things once everything's there. Interesting. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a really it's a different it's a different mindset, and in and in the end, it I, I think it gives our music a little bit more of a human quality because it hasn't been fixed. It's like mm -hmm. if what you hear is like what we played. And, right. Uh, yeah. And there was no like going back and, you know, and doing some computer pro tools wizard wizardry to fix it, you know, it's just like, so there are like little things here and there. And, uh, but you know, when I go back and I listen to like old Led Zeppelin records or old Boston records or whatnot, you know, I mean, part of the charm of them is that there might be these little mistakes that you hear in there, but it, you know, it reminds you, it's like, that's four people in a room playing music, you know, it's right. Not, it's not someone who's like taken this and then they've made something else out of it. Right. Yeah. There's the, I love the, the kind of like the grit to it and like the little imperfections. It just, yeah, yeah it's, there's something like, it, it like humanizes it a little bit more than, yeah. Oh, Oh, you screwed up that vocal. Don't worry. I'll just go in and like auto tune and fix the pitch a little bit here and then it'll be perfect. Don't worry. I have done that in my studio many times, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and if you have it, if you have it, it's hard not to use that. Right. Because you can also like, you know, and if things are running late, you know, and like everybody's tired, you can say, okay, just like, just give me this vocal and like, just do it. And then I'll fix it tomorrow and everything will be cool. Where, you know, like when you do our way, it's like, you know, is that something you want to live with the rest of your life? Then, mm -hmm. you know, we may need to, you know, it may be another hour of takes to get it, you know, just the way you want it to be. And it's still, still not might be a hundred percent perfect, but it might be like, you know, that's what perfect was for that day. And, right. uh, and uh, yeah, so it's like, it, it, you know, it's, it's cool to do that after all these years of, you know, with pro tool, like when I started, you know, I'm old enough that I started on tape and then like went to pro tools and all that kind of stuff. And so it's nice to go back and, and record to tape again. That's cool. That's really, uh, yeah, definitely something not a lot of people are doing nowadays. Right. Yeah. There's hardly anyone doing what we, what we're doing. Yeah. I think that's awesome that there's still, um, spaces that you can do that, right. You can record to tape and that it'll right. press it right to a vinyl. Right. It's yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's a lost art and, you know, and especially, you know, it's like, I mean, here myself, I got a decent studio in my basement you know, I can go to Pro Tools and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the people, you know, a lot of people can do stuff at home. And so to go to a studio that has tape, you know, that 
for them to still offer that, you know, there's a lot of uh, upkeep and, uh, you know, there's just to keep those machines running because, you know, they don't really make, I don't think, new tape machines. You know, these are all things from the 70s and stuff that, you know, like got to be repaired and, you know, shipped off to get things, you know, parts for and that kind of thing. So, you know, a lot of people are just like, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. And so there's less and less tape studios uh, anywhere. Yeah, it's like this is like the brick and mortar aspect of like having all the stuff and the equipment and or you could have just a laptop, right? Or like you know, right. mics. It's it's just such a wild uh thing. But I, I love this that I love the you know that there's just a feel and a sound to those recordings and, and having it done that way. That's yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. replicate it. Is, on a you know, when you're holding a record and you know you made it like in an honest way and and you know, and you put it on you know, to, to hold your own album and, you know, and to drop the needle on it, you know, the same way I did like with those kiss records when, you know, or the, or listening to rush or listening to Van Halen, uh, you know, it's exciting to like, you know, like we made a record just like they made records back then. That's awesome. So it's a, a cool process for sure. Well, Keith, thank you so much, man, for, for hanging out with me today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I do have one more question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Hmm. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is the the music business has changed so much. It's a hard it's a hard thing to do. Um, I would say what I would have done different. Like I, sp I spent a long time like playing covers and trying to make money as I went along like starting out and I think if I was to do it again, I would try more to do like my own music and make my own way uh, and write my own songs and that, you know, and, and do that in, in as honest a way that you could do it um, and not try to be like the flavor of the month or, you, you know, like I was saying that the one of my bands, you know, I was like, the big thing was to sound like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So that's what we were doing or, you know, like we're trying to be, you know, the next grunge band or whatnot. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, like I would write and be a part of the writing of the music, which I, as a drummer, I hardly ever was, you know, and that's a that's an income stream that like I'll never have. You know, some guy like if you write a hit, then you're going to be making you know, sometimes it's not a great amount of money, but, you know, uh, as a songwriter, you can, you'll get a check from ASCAP here and that kind of thing. So be a part of the songwriting and uh, practice. If, if you want to be a side guy, um, they're always going to go for the uh, the best one available. And like you might be good enough to be in a band, uh, but, you know, they're, they're always if some bigger act is going to look for someone in your town, you know, they're not going to go for the 10th guy down. They're going to go for the first guy. And if, you know, and keep going down from there. So, you know, re really work at being good at what you do and write the music that you want to write and uh, be a part of that the songwriting.